Welcome to Look-See, the podcast for anyone and everyone curious about the art, the artists, and the creative community in Richmond and beyond. I'm Paige Goodpasture. McIntosh is a fourth-generation quilter and multidisciplinary artist whose work explores the intersections of material culture, family tradition, identity formation, sexuality, and desire, using quilting, sculpture, and other artistic practices as a material dialect. He examines images and cultural artifacts to construct his own complicated narrative as a nerdy Appalachian queer guy. He works with found images from print materials ranging from vintage male erotica to modern gay pornography to draw attention to the often murky intersection of personal desires and family institutions, and to openly question our larger social constructions of deviancy, shame, and heteronormativity. I talked with Aaron about applying traditional practices like quilting to something as modern as the exploration of his identity as an out, proud, southern queer man, his connection to artists like painters Thomas Eakins and Marsden Hartley, and his current project, Invasive Queer Kudzu. Hi, I'm Aaron McIntosh. I am a fourth-generation quilt maker and a fiber artist, and... I am currently the assistant professor of fiber at VCU in the craft material studies department. So Aaron, we are here at the Valentine to have a conversation about your piece that is on view as a part of the exhibition, Our Hearts on Our Sleeves. The exhibition focuses on the importance of art, really, to the community and identity of the city of Richmond, and especially the way that art manifests itself in fashion and textiles and wearable things. The piece that's here in the show of yours is called Road to Tennessee, and we are sitting in front of it. I'd love to start out with you giving us a little bit of a description of this piece and putting it in context for us in the broader scope of your work. Not all of my work actually manifests itself as traditional looking or actual bed quilts, but this one is one that actually does. I'm very interested in my practice and also my life philosophy and this this larger idea of piecework. So quilts involve bringing together small bits and scraps of fabric traditionally into a larger, more unified whole. So in other works that you're not seeing here, but just to give you some context, my work might manifest as sculpture, it might actually be pieced together paper, it might be something that looks a bit more like collage. But in this work, uh, I did actually use the traditional frame of reference of an actual bed quilt, a twin bed size quilt. And the work that you're looking at is an enlarged image that's digitally printed on cotton that's taken from a male, gay male erotic magazine. And the figure who is facing us is in the middle of a creek bed, and he has been removed, and in his place is a quilted pattern um, that is actually titled Road to Tennessee. The pattern mimics something kind of like a a chain-link fence, a sort of blocky, thick chain-link fence, 
it's in four colors. And then in the negative space, sort of the meshes of the fence um, have been cut away so that there's physically a point of entry into this quilt. So the quilt itself becomes a permeable object. The process of quilting itself is a piecing together mm -hmm. of diverse elements and patterns and a lot of your work is about identity. There seems to be a reference there, quilting being a similar process to the piecing together of one's identity. Is that something that resonated with you about the process of quilting itself? The image itself is locating, you know, this idea of how one's desire is mediated and how we learn, as, especially as LGBTQ individuals, we learn about our sexual desire, our relationships, our adult relationships, not always from the public sphere because that is not always available to us. I would say even more so, especially for people growing up in the South of a certain generation, which I am. So this image is something that I found thumbing through these magazines that it instantly caught me because it is, it's an image of a naked man in a creek bed and it looks like it could have been, you know, the image could have pulled right from the mountains that I grew up in, in East Tennessee. And these are the kind of mountains that I played in as a kid, that I've returned to as an adult when I go hiking. And certainly the mountains have a, a certain kind of gravitational pull for me. I really connect to that landscape. At the same time I connect to that landscape, it's a really complicated place for me culturally. It's a very out gay man. And even more complicated coming from the families that I'm from, which are very religious, still are very religious, and are in their own process of reconciling my queer identity with their traditional beliefs. So the image was instantly pretty powerful for me to work with. I saw there as an opportunity in that image to take out this anonymous figure and actually insert myself in actually a, another kind of anonymous figure, the anonymous figure of a quilt, if you will. The pattern, Road to Tennessee is the name of the work, it's also the title of this quilt pattern. I like to, when I use traditional quilt patterns, look at the names and the titles of some of these quilt patterns to sort of further charge the work. So again, me looking at this image, thinking of the places that I'm from, the communities that I'm from, the people in Appalachia who are tied to the land, and people who are also tied to traditions like quilting and religion, found a really awesome opportunity to insert myself in that as this differently manifest quilt pattern. So I am in my own way on this journey, this road to Tennessee. The work is a bit of kind of a, like a different kind of homecoming. It's a, it's my own personal process of reconciling my identity with my family and their traditional cultural values. And also talking about sort of in another side, so to, to leap to a very, very different side of the work, is to also talk about the both like historical connections to these unfettered sexuality in the woods, this idea that we have like a raw sexuality connected to nature or something, and then the ways that's been blunted for openly queer people who often can't for safety and livelihood reasons live in very rural areas. You know, and we have a number of instances in more rural parts of the entire country, not just the South, but the dangers of being openly sexual or, or just openly queer in nature. 
in more intolerant communities. So the, the piece is kind of about that slippery place of nature being a place that we gravitate towards with our primordial desires and also a dangerous place. So the figure is in some ways kind of shadowy, even more so the way that the piece has been curated in this exhibition on a black wall. You definitely get the sense that whatever's behind the figure might be a, a, a darker place. And when the work has been shown in other iterations, even on a white wall, it's often projected a little bit off the wall, about four inches, so that you can see the permeable nature of the quilt. Those are a lot of different thoughts about the work. But yeah, I think I'm interested in, in this larger project of projecting queer desire on these traditional family-connective objects. Another thing that I hear and that I wondered about when I first saw your work and read about this piece, Road to Tennessee, is your identity as a Southern man. Mm -hmm. And as a Southerner, as a Southern man, as a Southern queer man, Mm -hmm. as a Southern artist, it seems that that is something that is very much a part of who you are and that you own. But it's difficult. Talk a little bit more about why have you chosen to stay in the South, even though it's difficult. <laughs> I mean, it's it's hard, yeah. you know. I mean, oh, lots of thoughts there. Well, my, I mean, my work is so much about my own person and my own personal life and trajectory, and um, the personal is political for me. And I love talking about this stuff. You know, I wish that more art conversations could get to that place. Personally, I wish more national conversations could get to the place of you very directly asking why stay on the road of being an out proud southern queer man i i feel like i have been in in some ways trying to run as far as i could from some of the constraints of southern culture oddly every time i feel like i've tried to run i've never gotten very far i've been involved in the the creation of this project called invasive queer kudzu which is a a large sprawling project but it basically involves using kudzu which we all know grows very rampantly in richmond and across the south it's an icon Mm -hmm. in the south yeah it's yeah it's more than just a plant it's a plant it's a a quote-unquote invasive species which has an interesting history in the united states in the southern united States because it was planted, 750 million seedlings were planted between the 1930s and the 1970s in the United States, mostly in the South. It was imported from Japan and planted along road embankments, railways, and other places for soil erosion control. And it just became incredibly prolific. Often when people think about kudzu, when they travel in the South, they're driving along a a small highway in the country and they'll see like kudzu taking over, you know, it sort of renders it these alien landscapes. So it has long been used in Southern literature and in Gothic Southern narratives of the South as a sort of a a hallmark of the South and its degradation post-Civil War, but also post-Civil Rights and sort of a, a symbol of the moral decline of the South. So I am interested in its complexity of being the, an invasive species and also in turning that on its head and looking at how like fast and furiously kudzu grows. And uh, the kudzu that I'm making, which is also quilted, so again, a, a connection to and deconstruction of quilt making, these quilted kudzu leaves are emblazoned with the stories of queer Southern people. I have uh, a little over 3,200 right now stories that have collected and been quilted into these leaves and added to vines. and so. I'm trying to furiously grow, like kudzu, stories of queer people from the South. 
So that's the one way of using it. It's also a slippery uh, metaphor to talk about and think through with the expansion at the federal level of gay rights protections, marriage equality. We were just starting to see with the Obama era more rights protections for transgender people. Those are all being stripped away right now currently. But during that era of so many rights expansions, we also saw so many states fighting those rights expansions in particular in the South. So a way to talk about this growing and creeping like kudzu homophobia that will be attendant to any kind of sort of rise in the acceptance of queer people. So yeah, it's complicated, kudzu. It grew out of my studio practice, but has really grown into a public project. Some would call it like a social practice project. I'm not a social practice artist. I'm working in, on this sort of community-engaged project at the moment. I will be working on it for a total of six years. I'm, I'm two years into it now. The goal is to gather as many queer stories on kudzu as possible to really fill and overtake gallery spaces and also complicated Southern monuments. So you can definitely look out for that in other future ex exhibitions in Richmond, uh, where we have many monuments to take over with kudzu. The first iteration will be in Baltimore, and kudzu will be uh, creeping out of and overtaking the corner facade of a 40-plus-year-old, uh, one of the oldest openly gay dance clubs in the United States, which was called the Hippo, which closed and became a CVS in a rapidly uh, gentrifying uh, traditional gay neighborhood in Baltimore. So the kudzu will be literally cascading over that front facade of the hippo in an exhibition in Baltimore next year. The project is sort of twofold. It involves going to make kudzu in communities. So I go to um, LGBTQ community centers and I go to things like pride events and collect stories from people there. Any story is, is welcome. Sometimes people just put their identity as a kind of story or sort of a making and holding space for queer people in the South on their leaves. And then the second part is actually visiting special LGBTQ archives that are housed collections of Southern LGBTQ stories. Oddly, those aren't all in the South. Many of them are in the South. And then some of them are in places like Los Angeles, the one archives that just has the largest LGBTQ archive in the country, actually in the world. Um, so there are some, some notable collections from queer Southern individuals, in particular a couple people who were involved in the civil rights movement who later relocated to LA that are in the project. I needed in my work career and life to be closer to the South, I felt like, to really do this project and just to really connect. I wonder if quilting is for you almost like a dialect or, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it kind of reads that way. It's almost like a, a, a dialect or an accent yeah. or... Yeah, I would, I would totally agree with that. Some people like one particular kind of quilt making and like sometimes it's hand worked, sometimes it's machine stitched. It might be applique, it might be actual patchwork, it might be whole cloth quilting. Like I'm interested in a wide spectrum, many of which my family didn't particularly practice. I have explored in different works very particular things that my family did around like string tying quilts. And then I also, because a lot of the materials I use, some of which are in this quilt, two of the four vintage fabrics that are in there are actually from my own grandmother's collections. So there's actually like a material connection. I would absolutely say, and a lot of times I will frame my work in being about a material dialect. The, what I mentioned earlier about quilt making as a language or piecework as a language of you know bringing these disparate parts together into either a unified whole or maybe just a dialogue 
I don't know if the whole needs to be um, cohesive or unified or aesthetically pleasing or anything like that. I think some of the best quotes are actually rather jarring. You mentioned when we were talking about the road to Tennessee, the piece, that the pattern of the quilting is sort of like a chain link fence. So it really does have that fencing kind of feel to it in one interpretation. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if part of that is intentional and in wanting to convey that imprisoned or kind of walled off, fenced off part of your identity that because of bigotry you can't live fully into. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's about that threshold or screen or scrim or you know something that either might be holding one back from fully realizing oneself. In this case, that dichotomy between my lived reality as a contemporary queer person and my family's traditions. And you know, I'm I'm also really interested in it too, in this notion that it's now the quilt is now a permeable thing. The quilt is now not a solid object. It makes it, it charges the object with a really different sort of, not purpose, right? You know, it's not, it's hanging on a wall. So it's not a bed quilt, even though sometimes bed quilts hang on walls. You know, it's now a kind of quilt that's not necessarily about comfort or like keeping oneself warm or snuggling under it. You know, it, it, it charges it as this thing that is that. There is this, this threshold from which sort of identities to pour in and out of. And it's exposing, but also protective. Right, and... right. I'm thinking too of um, another fiber artist, LJ Roberts, who mostly works in knitting, but has done this great project about fences, several projects about fences. And this work is not inspired by that per se, but something that LJ has talked about in their work, this idea of really questioning, well, what are fences? They both keep people out and then they keep certain people in. What are you really doing with a fence? Keeping something in and safe and secure or keeping something you know, otherwise unwanted out? I would say that really here in this conversation is making me think about that too. What's let in, what's let out, you know, what comes out from the quilt too. Kristen Stewart, the curator of Our Hearts on Our Sleeves, is also with us today to talk about Aaron's work. Kristen, is there something that you would like to hear Aaron talk about with regard to his work? I would like very much to hear your thoughts on your work in the canon of traditional fine arts. What I'm led to through this conversation, specifically through Paige's acknowledgement of your earlier commentary on the queer exclusion from the liberating sort of sexual frolic in the natural environment. We see that in Thomas Eakin's work. And I see a connection between this piece and, and some of the work of 19th century painters. For me, I suppose I see it as playing with and continuing and challenging traditions along two lines, two twisting, perhaps (laughs) linked, overlapping lines, the quilting traditions of the region in which you were raised and of your own family, and the American painting tradition of the male nude. Mm -hmm. And I, I wonder, I mean, you're obviously turning to male nude imagery, mm-hmm. much of which has been reinterpreted by contemporary fine artists, yeah. and you're bringing a new perspective to it by disappearing the mm-hmm. actual male nude. So mm-hmm. yeah. I also think of Marston Hartley. Yeah. Yeah. When you were Absolutely. mentioning that, mm-hmm. I thought about his bather on the beach, yeah. especially. 
Let's see. What can I articulate? I think about this a lot. I, I think my practice is, is grounded in these sometimes very disparate things. In terms of what I'm bringing to that conversation, I feel like I do a lot of research, which is looking through this print culture, especially from my own context, like how gay men have imagined and imaged themselves over the last 40 years. I inherited a collection, this is very Richmond-centric, I inherited a collection of gay pornography and erotica and these really amazing things called chapbooks, which are more like erotic writing stories and then readers writing in with questions that largely came about during the AIDS crisis and they're these really kind of beautiful documents of gay and queer community at that time, how people had to band together. I inherited this collection from my barber the first time I lived in Richmond, Cupid Oyala. When Cupid moved to New York to go to grad school, he gave those to me. And so they're like actually primary resource for me, or research. Like I, I look to those when I start projects like this. Most of my bed-sized quilts began in that archive and looking at particular things like uh, another image was taken from the, the month and the year, August 2002, that I started college, which is also, I would say, sort of my like awakening year of understanding and thinking about my queerness. I think you've offered an observation, which I think about a lot. I, I hate when one's work, it, this happens with me a lot because I work in textiles, like my work is textiles and that's that. If you want to find textiles at the VMFA, for the most part, and it's not really digging anything at them, but you have to go to like the non-Western sections. I think that says a lot about hierarchy of, of art and craft in our country and our national art conversations. And I think actually like the conversation, the dialogue on the ground has tinges of those older hierarchies, but I actually think is like totally ripe uh, for exhibitions like this, which are mining contemporary art practice and even art practice from the last 50 years that has invoked textiles and has used textiles. Hopefully those things are changing. My exploration of the male nude and a lot of times how I'm fragmenting hiding out or, or taking out, uh, extracting, and then reconstructing or putting back in myself in the place of those. I mean, it's kind of a very literal metaphor, but the, the nude man is taken out. I am placed in. It's not a direct replica of me. I am the quilt. I am the, like, the, the mesh quilt that's left are my contributions to that conversation. Kristen, Aaron, thank you so much for coming to the Valentine to thank talk you. with me about Road to Tennessee and, and your work. Thank you, Paige. Thank you for this great exhibition, Kristen. Richmond's super lucky to have it. The Look See podcast is a production of Look See, an online forum dedicated to the visual arts in Richmond, Virginia. To find out more about this and all our past shows, go to our website at look-see.co. 